0: True Believers, stars of the Marvel Universe, assemble to celebrate the life and legacy of Stan Lee in an ABC News production celebrating Marvel's Stan Lee, a 60-minute television special hosted by Clark Gregg. Hear from Tom Hiddleston, Paul Bettany, Kobe Smulders, Ming-Na Wen, Mark Hamill, Kevin Smith, Todd McFarlane, and many more who share their memories of Stan. Viewers will go on a journey through Stan's life, his impact on the world of pop culture, and watch never-before-seen footage from deep within the Marvel and ABC News archives. This brand new special airs Friday, December 20th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, only on ABC. Hello, Marvelites! You're listening to Marvel's pull List for new comics on sale December 18th, 2019. I'm Ryan Penagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. Tucker, hi. This is the first episode of Marvel's Pull List we have recorded here at SiriusXM. How are you feeling?
1: I feel like the room we're in was specifically designed to have audio recorded in it. That is
0: (laughs) accurate and true to the the perfect degree. Uh, It is cool. This is the second episode of a Marvel podcast I've recorded here today at SiriusXM, so we want to give a special thank you and shout out to our friends at SiriusXM for letting us
1: invade your space because we just moved offices. I don't know. I'm worried that my game's going to be thrown off. You know what I mean? Like new space. We recorded two video episodes of
0: Polis today and you were on point.
1: Okay. Well, thanks.
0: I'm feeling good about all of this. All right. It is a big, big week, much like last week. So much to talk about. So little time. Let's start things off with 2099 Omega number one. This is written by Nick Spencer with pencils by Gerardo Sandoval and Zay Carlos with inks by Gerardo and Victor Nava and Zay Carlos with colors by Maury Hollowell, Brian Reber and Andrew Crossley with letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So If you've been reading, there's been a whole bunch of other 2099 one-shots. This one wraps all of this up, more or less. It also ties into Amazing Spider-Man this week. We see Doom 2099 and really important stuff for Miguel O'Hara. It's weird and trippy in a lot of places. There's some gnarly stuff. Sandoval, as always, does really cool, big character freaky bits exceptionally well. And there's one in particular in here I'm thinking of with Miguel that I think rules. Plus, Watu has a very, very
1: bad day. Ooh, he does. He does.
0: Up next is the final issue of Agents of Atlas, number five. This one is written by Greg Pak with art by Nico Leon, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. This one has been a real surprise like love yeah. for me for this limited series. Yeah, I love
1: this book. I love this team.
0: I knew it was going to be great but it really like knocked it out of the park. Fun, heart, humor, excitement, great team moments, especially Silk as like uh, poking Catalyst against Braun, aka Amadeus' show, is one of my favorite things that sort of reappears through every issue. Mm-hmm. We get plenty of that in here, but this one is extra neat because it is full of dragons. Did you ever have one of those T-shirts with a big dragon on it as oh, like, a, a kid?
1: I started getting into that ironically when irony was at its peak we're talking 2010 wolf t-shirts and stuff like that Yeah. so yes then never sincerely which is in retrospect when it was actually cool yeah. is when it was uncool but then when it was ironically cool it was uncool so there you go
0: yeah crushing it <laughs> but the dragons in here no matter what, super duper legitimately cool. Oh, yeah. And what's fun about this is this leads into Atlantis Attacks number one, which is going to be coming up, which means this one has a big, juicy Namor shot in the book. And you know you're going to be getting some fun stuff with the Agents of Atlas, with Namor, with whole plenty of characters real, real soon.
1: Yeah, Greg Pak has got to be one of the most versatile writers around for me because if you look at some of his like more legacy material or something like planet hulk for example and then you compare that to agents of atlas obviously there's like enormous amounts of action in each of these books but the kind of solitude of planet hulk and that character and the warrior like new world vibe all of that stuff and then you compare it to something like this and they're both so excellent so amazing but i think in different ways it speaks to the power of greg Pak, why he's like one of the best writers around he's the coolest He, he really is. Yeah.
0: But we got to move on <laughs> to our next book, which is Amazing Spider Man, issue number 36. It's written by Nick Spencer, art by Oscar Basildua, with colors by Steve Fairchild, letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. This one does tie into the 2099 epic, but it, it has been its own story side by side with the 2099 one shots. Mm-hmm. They sort of inform each other. And in this one, you have Miguel O'Hara, the 2099 Spider Man, in the main universe, main timeline with a whole big Dr. Doom story, I will say this about this issue. Spider-Man dies over and over and over again. you want more information, (laughs) you have to read the Ding Dang comic book, y'all. All right. One more Omega issue for us this week. It is Annihilation Scourge Omega, which is written by Matthew Rosenberg with pencils by Manuel Garcia, inks by Rafael Frontiers, Cam Smith, Wayne Faucher, and Manuel Garcia with colors by Federico Bli with Rochelle Rosenberg and Eric Arciniega. lettering by VCs Corey Pettit. And as they say, it takes a village to make a comic book. Yeah. And make a good comic book, which this is one of them. This one sees the Conclusion of this new Annihilation storyline, which has had the Sentry gone to the Cancerverse. Cancerverse was this sort of parallel universe where nothing dies. Mm -hmm. That was shown first in the Thanos Imperative. And he's taken these twisted, messed up versions of creatures, people, heroes, and villains that we know, brought them first to the negative zone and now into the positive universe, which... If they ever wanted to adapt something really rad and huge for a screen or a video game or something, yeah. Annihilation, Annihilation, Scourge, Annihilation, Conquest, all of these would be perfect fodder.
1: Yeah. Like I love the, those huge events, like some of the biggest events of the last 20 years. And then I also, I love the position that Annihilus is in, in this book specifically. It's very, very interesting how he's, how he relates to like his allies and his enemies seeing how that's twisted and kind of put on its head in certain ways is really, really different and kind of unexpected for me. Yeah. yeah.
0: Matthew Rosenberg, he's a friend of ours, friend of the show. There's a double page spread in here, which I can almost picture him writing it and Mm -hmm. putting detail like, okay, I need these characters in this double page spread because... I want them in there. I know he'll write in character names for his his books. And there's a double page spread where a bunch of heroes come to help save the day that he just dives real deep. Like, get out your handbook of the Marvel Universe. Super deep. Gravity's in here. You've got multiple new warriors and many, many more. It's super cool. It's a lot of fun. As Jim Ross, the WWE legend (laughs) and wrestling commentator would say, it is a slobber knocker.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, moving on from Annihilation now to Avengers number 28. This is by Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis with Inks by Mark Morales, colors by Jason Keith with our Eric Arseniega and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. This is Star Brand Reborn Part 2. Ryan and you and I were talking a little bit about the Star Brand and its origins, very, very interesting stuff. There's a piece up on marvel.com if you wanna go uh, check it out about that, about where it comes from, what its significance is, how Jonathan Hickman brought it into the main 616 universe. This issue is really, really cool. And I think it takes some of my favorite aspects of this run as a whole and incorporates them into everything going on with the star brand right now. Most specifically, I'm talking about the Avengers of 1 million years BC, which I am a massive fan of. I love that as an idea. I wish there was just an entire series dedicated to those characters. Really, really unique. There's some really great moments in here. One with my man, Norrin Rad, the dude, the Silver Surfer. Someone hangs 10 in this issue. They sure do. That was so cool. I love that moment so much. Silver Surfer's position in this issue is really, really interesting. And again, brings me back to, I think what we talked about a lot last week. It's been a big year for the Surfer and I am delighted here to see Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis take their turn with the character.
0: Yeah, it's something we've talked about on the show just in general when certain characters bubble up across numerous yeah, books yeah. over a period of time you're like what, something in the water what, yeah what was in the water y'all yeah, yeah come on yeah. why is everybody thinking of this character right now and right. to be fair a character like silver surfer is large enough where it just makes sense mm-hmm. everybody's thinking of him mm-hmm. but i'm waiting for the day when batroc silly bear is in like six books in <laughs> way, one week way give it to me way mm. <laughs> i believe that means yeah Oh, I have a lot of feelings, but we must move (laughs) on to our next book, which is Black Panther issue number 19. Hold on.
1: Do you think that our big red friend said, oh way, like after he crashed through a wall?
0: In in French commercials? Yeah. Yes. All right, cool. Yeah, he, I would- (laughs)
1: <laughs> just, just you need wanted to find a
0: French Kool-Aid commercial so we can right. figure this all out. All right. Okay. I'll bring it back for next week. Thank you. Moving on to Black Panther issue number 19. It's written by ta Coates with art by Ryan Bodenheim with Michael Garland on colors and lettering by VCs Joe Sabino. Man, this has been... Like, super cool storyline yeah. how Tanahasi and his collaborators have been weaving in this intergalactic empire of Wakanda and bringing it back around to mainland Wakanda Prime. And I didn't think that they were going to get here mm-hmm. when he started, or even when this arc started. But the point where we get to in this issue, without spoiling anything, is so cool, so terrifying in a lot of ways, and exciting for what it puts t'challa up against
1: i thought the same exact thing i never even considered that this would happen
0: and it's important because there's there's something that happens in here that has been out of the picture for a while and the way it's brought in is was like that works yeah you guys did it you
1: comic yeah. booked it and it works I forget who i heard talking about about this thing it's this dynamic that we talk about often which is something being surprising and yet inevitable at the same time and it sounds contradictory, but it it's really the only way to describe something like this. And yeah, where this issue goes uh, specifically, I like. I'm really jacked up for what's coming up next.
0: Yeah, T'Challa is probably the most capable, most smart, mm-hmm. most accomplished, like most. He's the most everything hero. But this issue and this this run doesn't stop in checking him. Right. And I think that's a really cool point, and seeing how that works, and seeing him like. Nah! take a step back, breathe. Cool. Yeah. I understand. It's just really well done storytelling for one of the most complex
1: characters. And you know what? There there is a thing in this book, there's a page that actually, in my mind, relates to Star Wars in an interesting way. I won't talk about why. I'm going to be talking about Star Wars books later, but at a future date, let's revisit because I have feelings about things.
0: Jorge and Mr. Put it on the schedule. We're going to talk about Tucker's feelings in a future episode.
1: <laughs> um, okay, next book we have is Conan's Serpent War number 2. It's written by Jim Zub with art by Steven Segovia. Colors by Frank D'Armada with a sequence in here by Vanessa R. Del Rey and colors on that sequence by Jean-Francois Beaulieu. Conan's Serpent War includes Mark Spector, a.k.a. Moon Knight, Solomon Kane, Agnes, Agnes de Chesterleon. And then, of course, Conan. Seeing the really cool like fantasy horror moments in here was so awesome. It's something I love. It's a very unique combination of genres. Not only does Jim tell it really well, but I think the art is super effective. And, again, not just capturing the horror of some of those moments, but in general capturing like this fantasy world, really fleshing it out, really making it feel real. For me, it kind of carries, like, I mean... Like Solomon Kane is 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 a paladin, and that makes me think of like D and D, and for me it kind of has a kinship with that kind of storytelling, which I just love.
0: There's some really gross stuff in this. Yeah, interview. that's yeah, all I want to say about yeah. that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, next up we have Daredevil number fifteen. If you are a subscriber to Chip Zadarski's newsletter, I suggest you become one. If you're not, the newsletter came out today. Then you know, I think there was a poll. Where he elicited
0: votes yes, for IGN's best of. So yes, uh, best of 2019 yeah.
1: comics. So go give that a Bing search and give uh, give old, old Chipman a few uh, votes because he definitely deserves it because Daredevil is one of the best series going right now. It is, of course, like we said, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Cetto and Francesco Mobley, colors by Nolan Woodard and Rochelle Rosenberg and letters throughout by VCs Clayton Cowles. I just want to say this book opens up right at the top with Mr. Foggy Nelson. Foggy Nelson, number one. Remember that, Ryan? Oh, boy. (laughs) Back at
0: Really, Tucker?
1: (laughs) Which I just love to see. And we have a bunch of stuff going on with Wilson Fisk here. This is one of those moments, and I think I've said it about, like, books that Matt Rosenberg has written in the past, books that a bunch of other writers have written, where I just see them able to capture the voice of a character so well, so specifically. You just know that they know this character inside and out, and they have a really unique take on them. That's how I feel about Chip Zdarsky's Kingpin, and like I've said before, I just want a Kingpin solo book written by Chip, because I think he just does such a beautiful job of walking that line of Wilson Fisk's kind of evil and bad guy qualities, but also keeping him deeply human, which is so important. And I think it's so important, really, especially for like a a street level villain like this and a character that we know in a bunch of different ways. Things are starting to change in this series, which is very, very, very interesting. It
0: really like has gotten better and better issue after issue. All right. So Tucker, you know, normally we don't talk about reprint issues. We haven't talked about the Marvel Tales issues that come out or the facsimiles because those are reprints. Generally, we just don't, Touch them because we want to focus on the new stories, new issues. But I am making an exception this week for the Eternal Secrets from the Marvel Universe, which is a collection of lesser known stories about the history of the Marvel Universe, the building blocks, the untold tales of the Marvel Universe. So we have stories in here written by Mark Grunwald, Ralph Macchio, and Peter B. Gillis, with breakdowns by Ron Wilson and Rich Buckler, inks and finishes by Chick Stone, who's one of my favorite old-school inkers, Alan Cooperberg, Bruce Patterson, Joe Sinnott, colors by Carl Gafford, Ed Hannigan, Nell Yamtov, and Len Wein, with letters by Michael Higgins, Jack Morelli, and Tom Orzakowski. I say all that because this is a collection of stories that were originally printed in the back of old What If issues, where it's the watcher not saying... Well, this is an alternate universe. He's saying, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the history of this universe. And it's, in fact, the story of how the Eternals became the Eternals that we know, really from the Celestials bringing them up and fleshing out lots of details around Kirby's original stories. And then even on into how the Eternals and the Inhumans became aware of each other and grew side by side It is awesome. If you have any interest in in the Eternals in Marvel history, I think this one definitely deserves a look. It was something that surprised me that we were reprinting, and I think it's perfect. It's
1: super interesting to see this different group of creators work with the Eternals, because obviously I think the Eternals are probably best known for being a Jack Kirby passion project and they have his iconic look and his unique sense of storytelling. So to have this other separate group of like so many legendary creators you just named have their take with this group is a really unique thing. And I feel like it's not something that people automatically associate, even if they're familiar with the Eternals, which is really cool.
0: It's really cool. All right. Next book is our first of the Dawn of X books. We have, I think, four of them this week. It is Excalibur number four written by Teeny Howard with art by Marcus Toe. Colors by Eric Arciniega, Letters by VCs Corey Pettit, and Design by Tom Muller and Jonathan Hickman. Before we move on to telling you about the book, I just wanted to read a quick email we got in from Dino Chapman from Washington. He said, hey guys, love The Pull List and This Week in Marvel. The reason for the email is that I read Excalibur number three and Teeny Howard has made Jubilee the Marvel Mother of Dragons. So we need to call her Jubilee Wow. I love
1: that. It's I, really great. I understand what he's talking about.
0: Yeah, You, you got a direct line to Teenie, right?
1: Uh, sh- 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 Sure.
0: Send her that. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I want her to know. She's going to love it. Yeah. She she really will. Yeah. She's great. <laughs> um, but this one is so cool. We get to see Richter actually being part of the crew. Richter is the, you know, earthquake power mutant who something happened with him in Apocalypse. And we don't know exactly what, but it's I love the mystery of that. And the reason why we call... Jubilee, Jubilee, now is because her son, Shogo, went into other this place of magic and this cool alternate dimension that is kind of at war with mutant kind right now. And Shogo turned into a dragon, yeah. which is awesome. <laughs> and so they got a big old dragon. I love dragons. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Today's it, theme is dragons. It just
1: fits so perfectly in with this story. I mean, like, it's a book called Excalibur. It's named after just freaking sword. Yeah. And leaning into all those aspects of it is so cool. Yeah. Everything with Apocalypse is so cool.
0: Uh, there's a Braddock family tree in yeah. here with Betsy and Brian and the rest of the, the crew. I'm really, really digging the heck out of this series. Totally. Our second Dawn of X book. And I will say the way I read these books is I have a I have the translator mm-hmm. for the Kirkoan <laughs> language side by side when I read these books because I want to know what certain things are as you go through so the credits pages and the the next issue page have little bits and pieces so i'm starting to understand what the krakowin letters are yeah i know a by sight i know O. and the more and more i read i'm like getting it you too can learn krakowin just read all the marvel comics (laughs) Uh, but this issue of fallen angels number four is written by brian hill with art by zimon kudransky Colors by Frank D'Armada, letters by VCs Joe Sabino, and design by Tom Muller and John Hickman. And this one has more big, nasty action as Psylocke and X-23 are going up against just a nasty piece of work. Simone does this full-page splash in this issue of the creature, and it is Horrifying. There's a lot of nasty, nasty bits in here. And poor poor cable. Yeah. Young
1: kid cable. Sexy, sexy cable. He's not doing too well. It's good. really cool though, and it kinda unlocked something in my mind when I was reading this because We obviously know Simon Kudransky's work from Punisher. That's what comes to mind first and foremost. And then obviously him getting invited to the Dawn of X here and just doing amazing work. But because he worked on Punisher, which is obviously like a very ground level, street level book, especially Matt's take on it. And then jumping into this series, which has been definitely on the grittier side of the Dawn of X, seeing him get to draw that was awesome. And it was like, whoa, there is just an entire other realm of talent here. That I would love to see explored more. Heck yeah. Yeah. Okay, next up, we have Future Foundation number 5. It is written by Jeremy Whitley with art by Alti Fermencia, colors by Triana Farrell, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This group obviously was put together to go out and save their friend Molecule Man. This issue was really awesome because it takes some of the characters that we start out with, some new characters that were introduced along the way. I'm thinking of Ricky Barnes specifically. There's some smooching. Exactly. There is really great mix of adventure and action and unexpected twists and turns and some really nice, super sweet romance in here. It absolutely has like one of my favorite qualities of Jeremy Whitley's work, which is a super youthful voice and energy beyond that. And I think this captures it really, really beautifully.
0: All right. Up next is Ghost Spider number five, written by Shauna McGuire, with art by Takeshi Miyazawa in Igora. Inks by Rosie Campy and Iguara, colored by Ian Herring, lettered by VCs Clayton Cowles. And this one, you got two, count them, two jackals causing trouble for Ghost Spider. One jackal, one Miles Warren. They're kind of the same person, but they're not, yeah. which really plays out in this story. If you are all about stories where there are creepy, awful dudes and you want to see them get their comeuppance, <laughs> this is not the issue where they get their comeuppance, yeah. but it'll make you want that comeuppance so much more. <laughs> yeah. All right. We have another final issue. Uh, yeah, We saw a bunch of endings this week. That's, yeah. a, that's a big theme. But yeah. another final issue, it is Guardians of the Galaxy number 12, final one by Donny Cates and Corey Smith with inks by Victor Olazaba with colors by David Curiel. I like that we have a tight 12-issue story yeah. that Donny and Corey and, and his other collaborators, they're like, this is the story we want to tell. I'm not just going to keep going and going and going. Here's what I want. And it wraps up really nicely. It is a story of the Guardians of the Galaxy fighting the Universal Church of Truth. And the Universal Church of Truth has come from the future to destroy death. They need power to destroy death. The final pages, past all the action, past the big revelations, mm, some of my favorite stuff Donnie's done this year Mm -hmm. and just like personal, warm storytelling it's it's fantastic
1: yeah beyond that we've talked about this series as a, a critical part of donny's little Donnyverse kind of bigger story that he's been telling you know it started with thanos wins and it's gone through so many books along the way death of the inhuman silver surfer black into guardians but to see those threads as well come through here is really really cool and and exactly i think as you said it just is that little feeling it's pretty awesome Next up, we have Gwenpool Strikes Back number five. It's written by Leah Williams with art by David Balion, colors by Jesus Abertov, and Guru EFX with letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, or as it's put in Gwenpool's very first two sentences, hey, true believers, here's the final installment of could a comic character do this? It is the perfect question for this character, for this issue, for this series, because that has kind of been like, everything it's all about. Obviously, a Deadpool book is self-referential and breaks the fourth wall in that way. This breaks the 10,000th wall. It is such a mind-bending story that I love so much. Leah writes one of the best Gwen Pools that I've ever read. I just absolutely adore her sense of humor. But more than that, something that's really surprised me with this final issue here of this limited series was the heart that came into it all. That plays a crucial part in any story but when you have a character like this who's so irreverent who's so funny self-deprecating and all of these things to have these moments when it's all brought home and you can feel it and you're not just laughing you you, that contrast is so powerful especially in a book like this so to see leah just doing these backflips across this limited series and land it in the way that she does was really special really great obviously i'm a long time fan of david balion's work I think he captures some really specific emotional moments in here just beautifully. His acting,
0: especially in this issue, it's been fantastic throughout, but man, there's a conversation between Gwen and Kamala and David crushes
1: it. Yeah, uh, another great ending this week.
0: Yeah, you got one more to talk about.
1: Oh, do I? It is History of the Marvel Universe number 6, and it's written by Mark Wade with pencils and colors by Javier Rodriguez, inks by Alvaro Lopez, and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. Shut your mouth, Tucker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's How my it first not? pick of the
1: week. How could it not?
0: Hot damn. Yeah. Man, oh, man, this is the best. You know, all year long, we've been celebrating Marvel's 80th anniversary on This Week in Marvel, dedicated the entirety of the year to the history of the Marvel universe. And this book takes it all and does it better and more fun and more heartwarming and devastating and touching and cool than I could have hoped for. This tells the last beats of the time that Galactus and Franklin Richards have at the end of everything. This is truly as the universe is ending this is what we see. And you have this conversation, two friends talking about the history so that one of them moves on with it in their memory and can take the memory and the ideas and the characters and the feelings into a new universe. And I think that's such a sweet, sad idea and the way it's pulled off in these last pages. There's a double page spread towards the end of this, which is like, I I actually thought of going to publishing and being like... <laughs> can you guys print this out really, really large for me so I can put it in my office? And I may have to because yeah. it's beautiful. And this is a celebration of Marvel. That That is truly, it is a celebration of our characters, our stories. It's fun because the series has been about the history. But in part of telling the history, we look at the future and there's a two page spread in here, which I will say nothing more <laughs> other than look at it very closely
1: yeah when i came across this page i immediately thought of being in the creative retreat and just remembering mark wade being like oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that okay all right perfect yeah i can mm-hmm. add that i can add that I can add. and and he might have been talking about this book he might have been talking about other stuff but it immediately made me think back to that and his skill set in general which is so powerful and you know you could not pick a better person to tell the story, which is why he's the one to tell it.
0: Damn near perfect. Oh, so, so good. good. So good. All right. We got more endings to talk about though with invaders number 12 written by election rigging chip Sadarski, <laughs> with art by Carlos Magno and Butch Geist colors by Alex Guimaras, letters by VCs, Travis Lanham. This is the end of this run, but it is also a story about friendship and not necessarily the end of a friendship, but the endurance of a friendship through decades and through conflicts and through loss and betrayal. And Cap has a really poignant, touching thing that he says at the end, which I was just like, man, this chip guy.
1: Yeah. He can write a couple it, stories. It's crazy. Like, looking at these 12 issues as a whole, and I this is one of those that I can't wait to see a trade of, because you feel the that the work has really been put into like the twists and turns of this story. And the way that these relationships have evolved over the course of this entire story and where they land here, it just feels so real. And it, like every single moment you remember where it began, you remember all the hardship in between, and you know that it comes out in just a place that feels very authentic. And that is, is so cool, especially put in the context of this team, which obviously has such a huge place in Marvel history and kind of redefining it in this way. is really cool. All
0: right put on your diapers it is time to wet yourself for my second pick of the week it is everything and more it is king thor number four written by jason aaron there's a ton of people who've worked on this issue the main story has art by sadra beach with i've swore cena doing the colors but then there are sequences in this issue by Gabriel hernandez volta and Chris O'Halloran, Andrea Sorrentino and Dave Stewart, Chris Burnham and Nathan Fairbane, Nick Patara and Michael Garland, Aaron Cooter and Laura Martin, Olivier Quapel and Laura Martin, Russell Dodderman, Matthew Wilson, and Mike Del Mundo. All of them coming together. So many of those names have been attached to Thor stories over the last decade or so. Then it's all lettered by VCs Joe Sabino. This issue, man... Wowie, Zowie. I don't even know how to begin to talk about the end of maybe my favorite run of comics of all time. Like now that I've read the final issue of Jason Aaron's run, which this is, I don't know that there's something for me personally that tops it in terms of scope and storytelling, the highs, the lows, the just every bit and piece Whether you have, you know, Gore the God Butcher or the Mangog story or Mighty Thor or War of the Realms or all of it wrapped up in into this one tale, which is the final story of Thor. It is Thor at the end of his time and it is beautiful and it is sweet and it is it made me cry. I was holding my daughter; she was asleep in one arm, and I was reading this. And I was just like, "Oh my god!" Okay, I, I don't want this to end. And it was so good. Uh, it has endings. It has beginnings. There's new, I'm like, jumping off points for Balder, for Sif, for a number of other characters in here. It's funny in the way that Jason writes Thor comics. It's disturbing and sad and sweet and action-packed and just magical and weird as hell at times. Thor goes through a lot of transformations in this issue, and I was on board for all of them. There's a lengthy letter from Jason at the end, which is also something I highly recommend you read once you finish the story. It it is pretty much perfect. Uh, I love Thor so much. I love this whole thing that Jason's put together. I have a tattoo of it on my body that Jason... (laughs) Like is because of Jason's work yeah, and I do not regret it at all. If, yeah. if nothing else, this has further solidified my love for all of it. Yeah.
1: This is one that I like just cannot wait for a Jason Aaron Thor complete collection, yeah. like to come out and hardcover. Like I don't say that often, but I just, I 1 million percent. I would buy every individual trade. I will get whatever collection, masterwork, anything. It's truly a landmark moment. Yeah. Another
0: one to talk about this week is League of Legends Zed, number two, written by Odin Austin Schaefer, pencils by Edgar Salazar, inks by Lorenzo Ruggiero, colors by Chris O'Halloran, letters by John Rochelle at Comicraft. In this issue, Zed is on his quest for revenge. He's chasing after this real nasty character who uses a gun to like cause magic to sprout flowers in people's bodies. It is wild. If you are into League of Legends, I think you're going to dig this story. All right, our third Dawn of X title for this week is Marauders, number four. And on almost any given week, this would be one of my picks, along with a couple of other books that are in the stack. But this is such a dang good week. Marauders is written by Jerry Duggan, art by Lucas Wernick, colors by Federico Blee, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, and design by Tom Muller and Jonathan Hickman. Man, this is just so much fun. I'm really digging something I didn't think I would, the relationship between Kate pride and Bishop. I'm like going through the long box in my brain of all the stories I know, but with those two characters and I don't associate them together very often. There's been some overlap, I think, but when Bishop first came on to the scene and uncanny X-Men, Kate was off with Excalibur. She just wasn't part of the X-Men. So I don't really connect them together and just them here, gels so well. It's a lot of fun. They have great banter. We get to see them fight side by side. There's also this joy of chaos in this book, whether it's like actually seeing someone like Pyro singing and just commanding flames all over, or just the concept of what's going on with this Marauders team that is trying to help out mutants under the guise of the Hellfire Corporation. We get to see Storm unleash like nobody's business in here, which is always a treat. But again, ultimately, my favorite parts of this right now are Bishop and Kate Pride together.
1: Okay, next up we have Marvel Spider-Man Velocity, number five. It's written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam with art by Emilio Laiso, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. One, the Velocity suit, which of course is in the title of this book, is just so cool. I love what it adds visually. I love what it adds narratively. I love all of that. And this issue is really, really interesting and has a really cool dynamic between Spidey and a character named Haley. I don't want to talk about what she is or what she does or where she starts or ends the issue but seeing that relationship evolve and seeing how they start and then how things end up all that good stuff it's really really interesting and really really great stuff
0: all right i said there were four yeah. Don of x books this week Alive. Oh, there are five. We have yeah. four of five up next with New Mutants number four, written by Ed Brisson, art by Marco Faia, with colors by Carlos Lopez and letters by VC's Travis Lanham, designed by Tom Muller and Jonathan Hickman. This is following the story of the younger New Mutants as they are helping Angel and Beak uh, try to get to Krakoa with their kids. And this one, man. It's real disturbing for me as a new father Mm -hmm. to see Angel and Beak with their young children and like the situation that they're put in. That was more affecting than I expected it to be, but it's in a really great way. I'd like that's what you want out of a story. It's really arresting and exciting because we see danger and the possibility of death right there at the forefront for a lot of these characters. Glob Herman, of course, in this book. But the star, I think, especially for the next issue, is going to be Boom Boom. <laughs> and she shows up walking through a Krakoan gate with a bottle of whiskey and just <laughs> jibber jabbering to herself. I can't wait to see the next issue.
1: My next issue is Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider number one, which is written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam with art by Scott Hepburn, colors by Antonio Fabella and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. There's also a backup story written by Cosmic Ghost Rider's creators, Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw. Jeff Shaw, of course, on Art with Colors on that one by Matt Mila. This one is so really cool and really kind of took me by surprise because Cosmic Ghost Rider Frank Castle, he's been through a lot since being introduced, showing up in Avengers, showing up in his own stories. But what was so surprising to me is that this book really captured the spirit of that original Thanos Wins introduction of the character in a great way. I felt really at home with this version of the character. I've obviously loved every single iteration. There's just something about this story specifically that really, really captured it for me. It was really awesome. And then in Donnie and Jeff's backup story is essentially a tale of two Frank Castles. It is the traditional Punisher and it is the cosmic ghostwriter facing off in more ways than one, having a really deeply emotional conversation with themselves in a way about each other, about where they are in their various journeys. And again, I think Donnie and Jeff are part of this story because Dennis's abilities to write this character just makes sense. It was really cool to get back into that original vibe of where this character comes from and seeing where that character is going to go in this limited series is going to be very exciting. Next up, we have Runaways, number 28. It's written by Rainbow Rowell with art by Andres Genolay, colors by D. Kunif, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Talking about Rainbow and Andres, I just can't say enough about those two and and their work on this series. It's just a match made in heaven. Chris Anka started off this series and he sets a wildly stupid high bar in his stories. And then to have Andres jump on board and really continue a pace is just really really awesome i think you know runaways is a book that requires the artist to be an excellent actor to be able to capture emotion surprise sadness love so many of these things that feel intangible if you really just break it down and think about the task at hand for a job like this i wouldn't even know where to start so to be able to really feel it just speaks to uh, the power of everyone involved on the creative side of things the team is still in the midst of their doc justice and J team escapade as that continues to evolve and as uh, this team continues to kind of find their footing and find what that life is like as costume superheroes and things like that it's really great stuff if it's runaways if it's by rainbow rowell you just can't go wrong
0: they make old lace cry yeah in this issue yeah and i still <laughs> love it <laughs>
1: yeah Okay next up we have Scream Curse of Carnage number two and this is written by Clay McLeod Chapman with art by Gary Brown and Chris Mooney colors by Rain Barreto and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. I'm really into Clay's take on this character specifically because for me, it takes a classic Marvel dynamic and flips it on its head. The character who is a normal person who has normal everyday problems and deals with that. And then also has a superhero life and deals with all of those problems. And then seeing how those things collide is the essence of Marvel comics to me with a character like scream who has a normal life, But also this other alter ego who, you know, she has a very rocky relationship with and dealing with that conflict is super, super interesting. It's something that flips that traditional classic dynamic on its head and exploring what that means is super awesome. Seeing Gary Brown and Chris Mooneyums art in here is man. Oh, man. It is like actually right before this, I watched like a, a, a trailer for a horror movie that's coming out. And I was like, whoa, like this is as scary as that trailer that I had a hard time finishing watching at my desk because I was too scared.
0: You, you sit in an open it's concept,
1: creative now. inspiration for okay. things. Okay. okay. All right. Anyway, sure. um, when uh, HR comes by and they're like, what
0: you watching, Tucker?
1: <laughs> HR, what? Home run? All right. Oh,
0: boy, Tuck, what you got next? Uh, next
1: up, we got Spider-Man number three. It is written, of course, by J.J. Abrams and Henry Abrams, with art by the great Sara Pichelli, with inking assists by Elisabetta D'Amico, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I really love the dynamic that's going on here between Peter Parker, this kind of like down and out, version of the character that has a very rocky relationship with his son it's super real it is something that grounds this story in such a great way because on the other side the other major conflict going on here is of course with cadaverous one of the creepiest villains going right now i think a super unique take something that has that sense of fear that you get with something that isn't super active Villainy. This is about a more creeping fear, which I really, really love. And that's a character that carries a lot of weight in the lives of the rest of our cast of characters. And so these characters are still dealing with that. They're still dealing with the fallout of everything that happened in the years before we jumped to the present day of this tale. So seeing that continue to swirl and evolve and start to line up. For what will inevitably be like a really cool, awesome showdown is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited for it.
0: And you got a, like an old Tony Stark in here. You yeah. got Riri Williams, CEO. There's some really fun stuff. In yeah,
1: this. yeah, it's really cool. I mean, the the imagination at play here is is something really different and really special. Tucker, you've gone okay. this whole episode without any picks. What are you doing? Well, I'm getting getting jacked up, getting hyped up. Yeah. For what's coming up.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh should I play the music? <laughs> yang- yeah, yeah. Classic Star Wars. <laughs> you know it too. First up is Star Wars Empire Ascendant number one. Yeah. It's my first. Pick of the week. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, We've got four stories in here. You Mm -hmm. want to read these creative teams for you? Yeah, go for it. All right. We've got Star Wars, An Echo of Victory, written by Charles Soule, with art by Luke Ross, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Let me just say, Clayton Cowles does three of the four stories, and Travis Lanham does the other one. Mm -hmm. They are tremendous letterers, a lot of them. There's a Darth Vader story in here called In Service to the Empire, written by Greg Pock with art by Roland Boshi, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, a Bounty Hunters storyline, which features valance, that is two sides to every sortie, written by Ethan Sachs, art by Paolo Villanelli, colors by Arif Prianto, and then Dr. Aphra Epilogue, written by Simon Spurrier, art by Caspar Vingard, and colors by Lee Lohridge. Whew.
1: Okay, so obviously... It's a big week for Star Wars. People are talking about it, and they should be talking about Star Wars comics as well. It's been a crazy awesome year, and this is really cool. It's wrapping up storylines in terms of the Star Wars flagship series or Afra Star Wars target Vader, that have kind of been leading in certain directions. It takes care of things in the present that way, but it's also a little hint of things to come because you have Charles who's taking care of Luke and, and Han and Leia and everybody's story in here and he'll be taking over Star Wars number one in 2020. You have Greg Pak, who's going to be taking over Darth Vader. You have Simon Spurrier's farewell to Dr. Aphra, which is a big thing. There's so much in here, and not only was it really cool to see these characters on Hoth preparing for the events of Empire Strikes Back, and then you have a great kind of look towards these really emotional moments that we have, also including some new characters, which I was really surprised by.
0: Two new characters that... Factor into the current run of Star Wars films tied into this pre-Empire Strikes backstory in such a cool way.
1: Yeah. Wow. That that got me. That got me. It's really awesome. And again, we say it all the time. Like if you're a Star Wars fan, if you're an Afro fan, you got to pick this up. Now we're in hyperspace going into the future and I'm so pumped.
0: Yeah. For our sister show, This Week in Marvel, which I am one of the co-hosts of, last week we had our first of three Star Wars episodes, big Star Wars celebration, and Tucker, you joined us for some of that episode. That's right. Last episode, it was me and Will Sliney talking. Right. But... We had another episode drop a bonus with Gary Witta and Matthew Rosenberg that dropped this week. You're in there for that mm-hmm. as well. And then our next episode, which releases the same day as the film mm-hmm. episode nine, has us talking with Matt Martin of the Lucasfilm Story Group. <gasps> oh. So it's it's real fun. And we still have one more Star Wars title to talk about this week. It is Star Wars: The Rise of Kylo Ren, number one, written by Charles Soule, art by Will Sliney. See, I mentioned him. We we Will. just had him on this week in Marvel. it all makes sense colors by guru efx and letters by vcs travis lanham and it's my second pick of the week yeah
1: it is um look i'm in a star wars mood right now this is aren't you uh, look okay fair enough anyway with the rise of kylo ren here this is one of the star wars comics that i've been most excited about for months i was on the m train one day from queens into midtown who jumped onto the train, but Star Wars editor Mark Panicia nicest guy in the world. And I think that was the first time I heard about this story that it was kind of in the pipeline. And it is how Ben Solo becomes Kylo Ren.
0: I was not ready for this book. I know. I'm like, Whoa. It is
1: crazy. Look, I just said it five minutes ago. If you're a Star Wars fan, you need to be reading Star Wars comics because they they really explain so much. This is the greatest example of that ever. I mean it's going to be a lot to like surpass the level of magnitude and importance of this story to everything Star Wars across the board. Will is telling me
0: when he was here recording this week in Marvel mm-hmm. that this story was something specific that JJ J. Abrams wanted told and had Charles Soul mm-hmm. tell the story of yeah. with Will. And so like this this came together specifically because JJ J. wanted this tale told yeah. which I find Really cool and makes it feel and mean so much bigger than it might have been previously. Yeah, it's just
1: so cool. And with something like this, with with something that tells such an important story like this, literally to me, at least every single line, every word, every reference, every new character, it just makes me that much more curious, that much more fascinated. It's so cool. cool. It's so different. It's so unexpected. Charles just absolutely kills it. This is one that I'm going to be pouring over for so long.
0: Charles kills it, but Will... Level up. This is a different level for Will. And I've loved his work for a long time and I am biased because I love him as a friend, but this is... Something different. There's something else going on with Will's work here, and Will, I know you sometimes listen to the show while you <laughs> uh, you you mow your lawn on your your scooter lawnmower, <laughs> uh, as you told us you you crushed it my dude yeah it's Wowie wow it is
1: insane it's good to be a star wars fan right now okay moving on from star wars we're now going back to the 616 this is tony stark iron man number 19 it's written by dan Slott and christos gage with art by francesco mana colors by edgar delgado and letters by vcs joe caramagna this is the end of tony stark iron man before we plunge headfirst into iron man 2020 with everything that is to come with Arno Stark. And look, it's really funny, now that this series has come to a close, I remember when Iron Man 2020 was announced, Dan Slott finally got the chance to just start yelling at the top of his lungs about how pumped he was to jump aboard Tony Stark, Iron Man, and to tell this Iron Man story, and then lead in, of course, to literally, in our world, the year 2020, which of course demands an Iron Man 2020 story. And now that we know everything that we know about Tony Stark Iron Man, I completely see it. I completely get everything that he's been going for, everything he's been building this entire way. Dan has been telling a story about technology, about the difference between humans and robots, about these new characters that have come in, about the difference between our reality and a virtual reality, about blurring that line. So of course, it makes perfect sense. And of course, that's going to lead in beautifully to an Iron Man 2020 story. It just presses all the right buttons and asks all the right questions. It was so natural. It felt so right without the larger context that I never thought about it until now until we're on the verge of it. So yeah, this has been like a really cool burn for Dan and company. And I love this series. And I love this issue. It's really cool.
0: All right. Our last book of the week is X-Force number four, and it is a doozy. Again, in any given week, this would have been one of our picks, yeah. but it has been a heck of a week. This is written by Benjamin Percy with art by Joshua Kassara, colors by Dean White and Guru EFX, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, designed by Tom Muller and Jonathan Hickman. I feel like we just had an issue of X-Force like yesterday yeah, yeah. which is great give me more of this cuz it is gnarly as hell one of the cool things about this book about the x books in general right now is that great the mutants have their new nation they have this new status they have all these things they've won all this and they still are battered and beaten and and undermined and viciously murdered yeah. and it is some there's some nasty nasty business Whoa. in this issue It does not pull punches. It does not slow down. We get to see the forces that are against mutant kind right now pushing, pushing, pushing. And so you start to see it causes mutant kind. It causes Krakoa to have to form new coalitions and new Mm -hmm. things to do it so we're really starting to get into that FBI that sense of okay we need to think about this in new ways there's also some really fun stuff in here with the portfolio of Charles Xavier looking at how he's making his money Mm -hmm. I got a kick out of that one and if you're a Forge fan which I don't know how many of you are there (laughs) right now but I think oh MR producer MR is saying they are yes Forge is dope in this issue and I'm like yeah I'm on the Forge train. This is really, really good. He has a, a text page in here, too, of his daily planner. <laughs> that right there. Put that up online. Put that on social, team. That is going to get you more Forge fans. It's a lot of fun. This issue is It's great. And it's. it ends on... One of the nastiest, gnarliest pages yeah. we've put out this year. Yeah. It's crazy. I was yeah. shocked. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All of us. We <laughs> yeah. were talking about it before we started recording. Jorge was like, Is that the book you're talking about? Ooh. It's really cool how it speaks to like Ben Percy's writing ability so well because it completely just grabs you by like the scruff of your neck and just like, Let's go. Come on, dude. Just come with me. It's the. Coolest. Yeah. Okay, that's what we have for individual issues on sale this week. And if you still have any more money, give it to us. If you're buying all those comics. <laughs> yeah, with the uh, the collections that we have on offer, and that includes Dead Man Logan Volume 2, Welcome Back, Logan, Death's Head, Clone Drive, Defenders Epic Collection, The End of All Songs, Iron Man Invincible Origins, Loki Agent of Asgard, The Complete Collection, Marvel Visionaries, John Romita Jr., Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur Volume 8 yancey street legends superior spider-man volume 2 automatic the unbeatable squirrel girl powers of a squirrel uncanny origins myth and magic x-men milestones phalanx covenant and x-men summers and winter
0: There's also, of course, new issues added to Marvel Unlimited this week. We've got an issue of Immortal Hulk, some more War of the Realms action, Age of X-Men action, Star Wars, Vader, Dark Visions number five, which is tremendous. And then from the classic stuff added to Marvel Unlimited, the Gargoyle limited series from the 80s, which was referenced, I believe, by Javier Rodriguez in our 80s episode where we did like Hidden Gems. He chimed in on that one for This Week in Marvel. He really digs that. So definitely check that out. Some issues of Excalibur and Uncanny Origins. Tucker. What a week. That has been a heck of a week. Next week's episode is going to be a little bit different Mm -hmm. because we only have five issues out next week, which is cool. One of them being Incoming, which is a huge issue. So lots to talk about in that sense. But what we're also going to do, and Jorge and MR have been really great in helping put this together, is I had a spreadsheet started to be made of all of our picks throughout the entire year. So that at the end of the year, we could see which writer did we just pick the most? I imagine it's going to be a lot of John Hickman. It's going to be a lot of Jason Aaron. It's going to be a lot of rainbow Rowell. It's going to be a lot of uh, Al Ewing. We're going to see names over and over, but I'm curious because I don't know what it is. We don't do it intentionally. This is just our natural gut check.
1: Guess what book we each think we picked the most. Oh, I like that. Just real quick. What do you think? What do you think?
0: I'm going to say Immortal Hulk (laughs) because it comes out more frequently than the other books. That's true. But I, ooh, yeah, this is a fun game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see how many Star Wars books I picked. Sure. Probably picked a bunch of those. Yeah. Yeah. We're
0: doing it for writers, artists. You know, we've got the whole kit and caboodle. We'll also maybe put it up online somewhere I yeah think that would be really fun to to share out as well uh we have of course the playlist for marvel's pull list where people can listen to these episodes go back and and find all this stuff so that's going to be a lot of fun and if you guys have your favorites that you want to let us know about we always welcome more community we'd normally do it more on this week in marvel but we mm-hmm. would love it for marvel's pull list as well so you know where to tweet us at agent m H&M, at tucker marcus with a k yep. you can also email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com so that's it. That's a wrap on this episode. Yeah. Yeah. We did it. This episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Mr. Daniel with help from Jorge Estrada with our audio development manager, Lauren Wiener, and Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. I still think it's weird that Brad Barton does not have any credit <laughs> on this episode.
1: Uh, Brad could be our, our mother of podcasts. Okay. I like or, that. Or, or Brad and Jill unite a pod EC- how do you see? That's what I have on my piece of paper here. <laughs>
0: Very good. Yeah, there you uh, go. I like it. Very uh, good.
1: Big, uh you know, big payoff there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, once again, big thanks to our friends at SiriusXM for staying late with us to help us record this episode. We'll be back with another episode next week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your universe.